there's there's a lot of things that we can plan in our lives. There's a lot of things that we should plan. Um, we know that coming to Earth, Heavenly Father wants us to use our agency. He wants us to make decisions, make plans, take control of our lives. Like you said, we should be doing something. We should be moving forward somehow. And when those things don't go the way that we plan them, we think, well, either life's just not fair, you know, or God doesn't love me or whatever we put in that place. Um, and maybe it's just, oh, this isn't something I get to do. This isn't something I get to change. He has a different plan for me. He knows more than we do. He sees mm -hmm. more than we do. And so then it becomes faith of, okay, I got to trust him on this one. But yeah, I believe it, it actually, the whole idea of this starts kind of with the last sentence of knowing what to change, what not to change. It is time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. And man, there are... You know, episodes are crazy the way that they come about. Sometimes I put it out on LinkedIn. Sometimes people will contact me, contact at theculturalhall.com. Sometimes people uh, in in worship service or in an email will say something like, you know who you need to chat with is so-and-so. And sometimes you serve with an elder years nigh 22, 23, 24 years ago, and you end up interviewing his wife years later. That's how this episode came about. Uh, Bethany, thanks for being here. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Now, uh, I this is not about your husband, but it is worth noting. He and I both served in the Cleveland, Ohio mission, which is now defunct. There is no Cleveland, Ohio mission. Uh, how right. did the two of you meet? So we were actually friends before our missions. Okay. Um, so you and too. Where did you go? I served in the Dominican Republic. Okay. So I actually left three months after him. I opened my mission call the same day as his farewell. Oh. Um, and uh, we wrote every week and that, you know, that just changed things. So by the time he got home, I came home three months before him. He came home and we were unofficially engaged probably about two weeks later. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Married four months later. Oh, my gosh. Now, when you know, you know. It, yeah. And it obviously has worked out for the two of you. Yeah. Is that something that you would recommend to your kids or to other people that sort of path? Or do you kind of go, man, I'm sure glad it worked out for us, but I, I don't know about others. You know, it. the thing that I am really grateful for is we got to write. And when you write letters, and we were just friends, there was no pressure. We weren't dating. Um, and so we were probably more honest with each other than we normally would have been in a dating situation. So we got to ask those questions that you really kind of want to ask when you're dating, but you're kind of afraid to because you think it might be a deal breaker. Um, there was nothing to lose. We were, we were going to stay friends either way. So, yeah, I would actually. And, and let me ask you this. So what was it that changed? Was it him to you, you to him? So he gets home. You've been home for three months. And, you know, we're so weird and awkward when we get home from missions. We try and be like, yeah, we're accommodating. We get it. We, you know, we're acclimating all the things. No, we're not. We're weird. So what he, was that like? He was not weird. I have to say that. He he was not weird when he got home. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. Before our missions, we went out on a, a date. Um, mm -hmm. Not really. We each had a significant other in a different city, but it, I think it was New Year's. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm going to take you on a date. And it was just a friendly thing. And I came home and wrote in my journal that night. Promise you, this was real. I said, I went on a date with Cameron Cumberford, and it became apparent to me how important it will be to marry someone who makes me laugh. Because wow. he's so funny. Wow. So there might have been something, you know, I always, he was just, he was just such a good guy. Anyone who really knows him, he's just, you you can't not love him. Um, and so, yeah, it was just going through these experiences together and bonding. We really leaned on each other because we were both going through mission experiences and being away from home and all of that kind of stuff. And we, we could be honest with each, with each other where they kind of told you not to write home about the really bad stuff to mm -hmm. scare your family. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were able to tell each other that stuff. So that was where we really bonded. The other thing that I would ask you, and, and this is sort of odd because, you know, we're going to talk about the things we can control and the things that we can't control. That's going to be the main thrust of this episode. But because I have you and I know the the scenario and I know life and, you know, all those kind of things, uh, I, I, I like this glimpse and 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 some of these questions. So uh, Elder Cumberford, which I can't call him Cameron. In fact, it, it, even now I'm like, that, that is uncomfortable. Uh, he, he was very much different. Uh, when he served his mission, he went through a body chain <laughs> at some point. And I have always been curious um, about what that's like as a partner. To me, I think, you know, you, you love the other individual, but 
but is there are there insecurities and 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 to put it very straight he he was a larger gentleman and now is a a, a far less larger gentleman is there insecurities were there things for you where you're like is he going to like me is this going to change like was there anything within that as he goes under this big life change? As far as our relationship was concerned, I, there was nothing, nothing okay. changed. Um, we were just tight. We're just very close. And there was never anything like that. Um, he's always been big cam. Everyone always called him big cam. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at his biggest, he was about 320. Um, and so I was concerned when I went, I went to the airport when he got home. And there was a huge fear because I had really built this up. We had gotten so close and I thought, oh no, what if I'm not attracted to him when I yeah. see him? And the second I saw him, I was like, oh, we're good. In fact, I told one of our friends standing there with me, I said, oh, I'm good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then it really wasn't an issue for me um, until we started going through some infertility issues. Mm. Um, and, and there was some concern there. And then, you know, when we actually were able to have kids, um, it was just the concern of, you know, are you going to be able to keep up? Are you going to be able to, you know, uh, do this? And, and of course he really wanted to make the changes as well. And so, um, it was, it was all him, um, that did it, but no, nothing really changed with our relationship. I, it's funny. Cause I look back at pictures of him and I'm like, I don't feel like I ever saw you that way. Huh. I really didn't, you know, it's crazy. It kind of feels like a whole different person. If someone was wondering, like, what do you think, because lots of people have a behavior change, right? Weight, uh, uh, some whatever, right? We have lots of things that we could change and not everyone does it. Right. And it negatively impacts us. If there was like a secret sauce as to why you think that was something that ha that stuck and has stuck uh, for for he and for you and for, for his life, what do you think that is? Well, you know, a lot of people talk about hitting rock bottom with uh -huh. a lot of different things where they kind of... And there, I just heard a quote recently that basically says people don't change until they're so uncomfortable in their comfort zone that they have to change. They're forced mm -hmm. to change. Um, his and he, he wouldn't mind me sharing this. He shared it before. Um, we actually went to uh, Six Flags with Jared Myers, who was another one of your companions, also served with my husband. Yeah, um, he was my greenie just to throw that out. <laughs> Trained him. Everything he ever did. Because There you go. And he's awesome. We love him. We're very yeah. close with their family. Um, he also married a Bethany, which is kind of funny, but we went to six flags with them and there was a ride that Cameron got on and they were not able to strap him in. They were not oh. able to pull the harness down. It was a humiliating moment. He had to get off the ride and walk off. And that was his rock bottom. That was where, okay, something has to change here. This isn't okay anymore. Um, and so that was where, um, you know, his journey began with that, which it was a journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and there, I remember I hadn't kept up very well. And, and then I saw a picture and, and my mind, and this is horrible, but my mind immediately goes, is that person well? And do I need to reach out because maybe they don't have time because it was such a drastic change. In fact, I think I initially go, you know, that name is the same name as Elder Comerford, but that does not look a single thing like, and I know we probably shouldn't be talking about Wade and it's stigmatized and it's all these things, but mm -hmm. I think it's significant, uh, what he has, what he has done and, and uh, anyway, worth bringing up. I think it's absolutely worth talking about um, because I think people who've really gone through it should be the ones to talk about it. And mm -hmm. I feel like being his spouse, I can do that. Um, you know, his his life changed when he realized the things that had led him to be where he was. He was an emotional eater. Um, when anxiety and emotions hit, he ate. That was his go-to. Um, and once he really started losing the weight was when he, side note, got into triathlon. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was what helped him keep motivated. So when he got stressed, anxiety, anything like that, he would say, I need to go ride. I need to go run. That was the outlet. So he replaced the emotional eating with exercise that he actually enjoyed. Well, and it, it is an interesting table that we've set because the rest of this episode is all about controlling the things we can control and letting the rest of it go. Who is, who is Bethany Comerford and whatever your name was before you got married? <laughs> Beth, Hermana Kimberlin. That's who I was on the mission. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, you know, just normal LDS girl grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, and, um, you know, just uh, nothing really different. Our family, we're strong members of the church and active and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I actually got to be friends with, with Cameron, my husband and, and his friends. And, and I kind of thought, you know, maybe I'll serve a mission too. There he's a year and a half younger than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they were, you know, going to that route. And I thought, you know, Maybe. And and there were a lot of other things before that that had led me to think that I would serve a mission anyways. It wasn't just that. Um, but then 
you know, it was kind of like kind of fun to be able to do it all together. And we all kind of got our calls and left within a few months of each other. And um, so it was really neat to be able to have that experience. And then, um, but now I'm a mom of two. I'm a certified life coach. Um, so yeah, that's that's me. It, in it's a nutshell. A little, do, do you think that uh, life coaching is a little buzzy right now? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. People hear a life coach and then they go, oh geez. There is a very big stigma, very big stigma. That's why I always say, and not that it makes a huge difference to everyone, but I always make sure and say certified. I'm a certified life coach. I'm not mm-hmm. just someone who decided I'm a life coach. I went through the training. Um, and you know, there's a stigma because yes, everyone does here. It's joked about, you know, oh, now mm-hmm. you're my, my life coach, you know, and it's a big joke. Um, and I just kind of brush that off. I, I think, yeah, there's people joke about everything. You got to have a sense of humor. You got to sure. be able to let, to let things go and not get so upset about, you know, things that might upset you. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of people are also moving towards life coaching as um, a tool for themselves rather than, and no knock on therapy, because there is definitely a place for both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people are ready to move forward you know, and they see mm. therapy as I'm going to go in and sit and rehash and, you know, and they're, and, and if that's what they need to do, that's definitely necessary. It, I, I love therapy. I think it's very useful. Um, but life coaching is a lot more about, okay, that happened. We feel let's move forward. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Let's set some goals. Let's make some progress. Yeah. What, what I love about, and I heard this recently, I think it was on a leading saints episode where he was talking to a life coach, but the, the essence was do something. If it's a life coach, if it's therapy, if it's yes. read a book, if it's listen to a podcast, if it's go to church and serve, if it's something like yes. that's the thing that that you have to do. Not doing something is, is the real sort of issue. So for everyone who would you know come out of life coach or therapy or any of those kind of things, I think I think the very essence of it is you know life is meant to experience to to grope, to progress. And when you're not doing any of that or resolving any of those things or making forward progression, I think that's where there's a bigger issue. So, absolutely. Uh, so, so you are also a faith-based life coach. Is there some extra certification or what is, how do you get that part of it? Well, it's the, it's a certification that I chose to go through. It's the, mm-hmm. the faith-based life coach Academy that I chose to go through. Um, for me personally, all the things that I've been through, I can't not include my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, when I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I look at the things that I've been through, the trials, things like that, there's a lot of times not, not a, uh, logical or scientific reason why it happened. There is definitely a spiritual one. There's always been a spiritual one. And a lot of times the spiritual one outweighs the, the logical one. And it's just a part of who I am. It's, it's, I can't not have it be a part of how I, how I coach. Um, that, that's not to say they have to believe what I believe. Um, it's having some sort of a higher power. It's, um, something bigger than you, um, that it's just a tool to be able to help you. You see it in the AA, you know, groups, it's, Mm -hmm. you got to have some sort of higher power. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be God. I mean, certainly in Mm -hmm. our conversation, we will, you know, accept that that is God and a belief in God, but it it can be a, a higher anything. Yeah. Um, I want to take a quick break and then we're going to come back into this. In the second and third block, we're going to start out by talking a little bit about a book which you wrote called Secrets of a Recovering Control Freak, How I Finally Learned to Let God Lead Me, and then get into a conversation uh, sort of surrounding the serenity prayer, which in the last couple of years, I absolutely just have found so much peace and love with. So we'll get into that in the second and third block. Best DJ in Utah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country, uh, but especially here in Utah. Been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the Cultural Hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com, or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the Cultural Hall, because maybe, just maybe, I give a Cultural Hall discount. Uh, All sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, Whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event, or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out you're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop and they start at only $29 a month. Here in the second block of the cultural hall, might I strongly encourage you, this is a thing you can control. 
to become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall, you have the choice. You could today, and I would urge you very strongly to do so, to put some money behind your listening habits. Are these things free? Yes. Do you get to listen to them for free? Yes. Do you have to even pay money to listen to them? No, you don't. But, you know, it it sure helps on the other end of things. I would love, and I'm speaking this again into existence, I would love to have this be more of a full-time thing for me. And maybe you could be a part of that. Go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall, especially if you got a rich uncle, let him listen to an episode and, and have him send some money, some shekels my way. Patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. You of course get to be able to see the video and you are a part of the secret but not sacred Facebook group where all the Patreon saints are hanging out. Uh, Bethany, when we chatted, um, I was particularly uh, piqued uh, about your recovering control freak, the secrets of a re- of a recovering control freak, and I would love to know what your control freakishness looked like. <laughs> um, I didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, I thought I was a good planner. Okay, is, is what I thought. <laughs> I thought I'm a good planner, and I'm just going to line this stuff up, and it's all good things, and so it will <laughs> all happen because it's all good things. Uh-huh. Uh, it uh, pretty much all of them did not work. Um, the way that I expected them to or planned them to. Give me an example. Um, Walk some of the, some this good thing out that didn't. Okay. So I, in my mind, now it's kind of funny. I wanted to get married. Like getting married was a big deal to me mm-hmm. um, because I love being with somebody. That's mm-hmm. important to me. So I saw myself getting married and, you know, all that. And so um, I thought that would happen fairly soon after high school, like going to college and I'd find my guy and we'd get married and it would be that easy. Sure. Um, did not happen that way. And so, but, you know, it was back in the time when girls went on their missions when they were 21. Yeah. And so by the time I'm 21, I'm still single. Um, mm-hmm. And so then I, you know, okay, we'll go on a mission, do the mission, um, come home, like I said, got married and then, okay, we're going to have kids. And that did not happen the mm-hmm. way that we thought it would, or as quickly, I guess, as we thought it would. Um, and so, you know, it was just all those things where there was definitely, um, a thought of, I've done everything right. Like, shouldn't these things just happen because I've done everything right? Isn't that how this works? <laughs> so that was a lesson I had to learn that that's not really how that works. So uh, there, there is a common thing. We see it in um, popular culture and, and these different things. And, and it's probably most associated with AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, the serenity prayer. Worth sharing uh, right now, it goes as follows. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And I think that might be, if not the most powerful statement, top five. Yeah. If you if you really, truly embrace it, understand it, employ it, all, all of those things... And I can't wait to talk to you about every part of this. So I appreciate you being willing. Yeah, of course. So, so where so where do we start in all this? Do, do you want to break it down line by line? How do you have a conversation when we talk about control and what we can't control and all these things? What do you think? Where would be the best place you start? Well, ironically, the last sentence, the wisdom to know the difference. Okay. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that we can plan in our lives. There's a lot of things that we should plan. Um, we know that coming to earth, Heavenly Father wants us to use our agency. He wants us to make decisions, make plans, take control of our lives. Like you said, we should be doing something. We should be moving forward somehow. Um, and when those things don't go the way that we plan them, we think, well, either life's just not fair, you know, or God doesn't love me or whatever we put in that place. Um, and maybe it's just, oh, this isn't something I get to do. This isn't something I get to change. Mm-hmm. He has a different plan for me. Um, and then th- that will always lead to, which we'll get to later. That will always be to, he knows more than we do. He sees mm-hmm. more than we do. And so then it becomes faith of, okay, I got to trust him on this one. But yeah, I believe it, it actually, the whole idea of this starts kind of with the last sentence of knowing what to change, what not to change. I want to ask you though, uh, because our culture would sometimes, um, sort of uh, perpetuate this idea that if we do a, and if we do B, then we get C, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah I, and, and and I see that I see that still um like uh you know there's there's this that's sort of perpetuated around like listen if your kids leave the church if you continue to 
be faithful and do these things, they'll come back. And I, I listen, I'm not destroy, destroying anyone's faith or hope or or maybe that's how that works, but but I don't think it is. I think that the agency of other people that that they get to choose and that's still a, a thing that at, at least is culturally taught within the church today of a if A, then B, then C. Yeah, I think we get really hung up on that. We think, oh, then I need to be doing more. Mm-hmm. There's a problem, then I need to be doing more. And while that's great, and you always should, yeah, you should. But if you're doing it with the intention of, okay, I'm going to chalk this up, and he's going to see how many times I've gone to the temple. He's going to see how many times I read my scriptures. He's going to see all the sacrifices I've made. Then he'll give it to me. Mm. That is not how this works. That's not. Um, otherwise, that's why we would do, do what we do. We would right. we would never be doing it for the right reason. We do those things to help ourselves. We do those things to bring ourselves peace. So much of uh, what I know from therapy and life coaching is just taking the opportunity to look at something a little bit differently or through a different lens or being able to sort of have that paradigm shift. So so with that last line of the serenity prayer, the, the wisdom to know the difference, how, how can we avoid getting caught up in the things that we think we can control that really we can't. Is there a good check, a, a, a module that you walk us through, anything like that? I don't know about a check, but I know it's, you You have to, I mean, honestly, President Nelson has said, we have to be able to know how we receive inspiration, how we mm-hmm. receive answers. We have to have that line open and, and really open and functioning well. Um, you know, I can say from my own experience, one of the things, you know, I mentioned before going through infertility. So I thought, okay, again, I'm a planner. I'm a doer. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to figure out plan B. We're going to go plan B. So, okay, we've not been able to do this ourselves. Let's look into adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, I can honestly say that is the only time still to this day that I can say that I had that stupor of thought really? where I got the paperwork and I was ready to go. And I love filling out paperwork and it was like a different language. I could not do it. I could mm-hmm. not do it. And it just felt wrong. It just felt like this is not the path for you. And that was really frustrating because I thought, no, again, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm doing everything possible and it's still not working. And that was a really hard time. That was a yeah. very frustrating, hard, hard um, time where I was crying to my parents and saying, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. We haven't done anything wrong. Why can't we have this? And I was so hung up on what we didn't have, which we all do. And mm-hmm. I don't enjoy what I do have. You know, I, 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 I'm married. I have a spouse. I have a wonderful spouse. I, you know, and, but we're always stuck on what's next. We're always stuck on what we still want that we don't have. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think it's just keeping that line of communication open. Had I really had that open? Um, I remember my mom telling me during that time, she said, it was kind of funny. She said, there are two words in your patriarchal blessing that I want you to find. And I thought, what do you mean? And she said, I think they're your answer. And I was like, oh gosh, okay. So I pull it out and I said, I still don't get it. I don't know what you're seeing that I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. And the two words were in time mm. that, you know, that this is what's going to happen for you. And in time you will receive blessings, not children, blessings. Um, and that actually gave me hope. That was from heavenly father telling me, I see you. I know what's coming. I know your plan in time is where you need to stay for a little bit. You know, in, in this discussion kind of around in control and, and, you know, what we focus on and what we don't focus on, just being able to, um, and this is so buzzwordy, I hate myself for even saying this, everyone, so much self-loathing for what I'm about to say, but being able to like enjoy the present, mm-hmm. virtually impossible for, I think, most people. And and I think it plays into this control thing because there is so little that you can control that if you can just be able to en- enjoy present, right. whatever that present looks like, and that's not denying negative things and anything like that, but like really grasping this, what seems to be so simple concept is life-changing, I would, I would bet. That, and I think it's, something that we need the constant reminder. It's, it doesn't mm-hmm. come naturally to us. And so we need that constant reminder of, you know, I always tell people, focus on what you can um, control. Focus on your happiness. And President Nelson says it, your happiness will depend on your on your focus. What you choose to focus on will determine how happy you are. 
So while I was completely focused on infertility and I was completely Mm -hmm. focused on, we have to have kids. That's what has to happen. So we need, my life revolved around it. Everything revolved around it. And, you know, being a member of the church, that's real hard. That's real hard when every, you know, first Sunday of the month, they're blessing another baby and you're just dying. And that was such a hard, hard time. Um, And yet in, even then in that moment, when I would step back and notice other friends who still hadn't found their spouse yet or or felt less than because they hadn't. And they're wondering, when's that going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I have that, you know, and I can I can focus on that. And I would and then I would fall right back into <laughs> the infertility. And, you know, is that constant reminder of, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Focus on what's what's good, what you do have. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I mean, it, I really am. And I, I probably will stop several times within this conversation. It, I mean, you're not explaining rocket science. Mm-mm. This is not, this is, but the ability to do this, I think is life. Yes. Yes. It, it, Without I, question. Again, it just comes down to our control. It comes down to, are we going to do it or not? It's not anything new. So the line, accepting the things I cannot change. I think we've sort of touched on that a little bit, but that's real hard. That wow. is, that may, I don't know which is harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the accepting or the you know the other parts. How, how 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 can we really do it? Because I I have a problem, and sometimes people will say this where it's like, but look at how bad other people have it. Shouldn't you yeah. be grateful? And I'm like, I mean, yes, but also that doesn't feel super Christiany to me. Like that, I don't I don't care for that perspective. So how can we accept those things? And what does acceptance really mean? Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I I cringe when I hear people say, well, at least you didn't have this happen. And I thought, we're not talking about that. You just completely, you know, devalued what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And, and part of healing through stuff and moving through stuff is feeling it. And if you take that away from someone say, well, don't feel it, just be happy. You don't have that. That doesn't help at all. Um, the and, it's, and it's and to that point, it's not accepting. It's not accepting where you're at. It's no. reflecting. It's looking at these different things. There's zero percent of acceptance. And we see a lot of the problems in in society with people with families is people moved on too quick. Uh-huh. Um, we're very quick to get into survival mode. And oh, this bad thing happened. Okay, what can I, I'm going to move forward rather than coping and dealing with it. And then ten years later, it's rearing its ugly head because mm. it's never been dealt with. You know. Um, so one of the things that I talked about in my book, this is a lesson that my mom taught. My mom's a really wise person. She's, you'll, if you read the book, it's, she's in there a lot. (laughs) Um, she, she said one time when she noticed my control issue, Mm -hmm. um, in a nice way, she said, it's almost like you're, you're holding onto a branch. Like, and, and I, and she said, it's like, you're flowing down a river and you're supposed to be flowing down the river. And you, you just grab onto a branch and you hang on for dear life because you want this to be where you stop. You want this to be where this happens, whatever mm-hmm. it is in your life. Um, for other people, you know, it can be something like um, they, they want this relationship to work out, even though it's not supposed to. It's not sure. a good one. They just are hung on, you know, to that branch. And you are so exhausted hanging on and the river keeps going. And finally, you just can't hold on anymore. And you have to move on um, because ultimately that's what usually happens. Um and then you end up flowing down and you're mad for a little bit, but then you start looking around at what you would have missed. You know, you're seeing this, all these new things that you would have completely missed had you just hung on there. There comes a point where we have to say um, and include Heavenly Father and say, okay, I get it. This is not supposed to happen for me. I don't know why, but there must be something that you see up ahead. And again, it, this is something that took me a long time to learn. But once it's almost like a switch flips. Once that flipped for me, everything goes back to that. You know, anything bad that happens to us, I'm not like, oh, that's fine. We're great. I'm not like that. (laughs) But I'm thinking he knows what's going on. There's a reason this is happening. I just don't know what it is right now. But there is absolutely a reason. And I will find out later because I've had enough experiences where things have happened and I didn't understand them. And then looking back, it was like, oh, once you have enough of those, it starts to you trust it. You're able to trust it. Uh, uh, I'm not asking for myself. I'm totally asking for myself. <laughs> I I think that there's a tendency to using your river analogy, right? That we hold on to the branch and then we couldn't hold on to the branch anymore. And then either forced air quotes uh, or we just had to let go. Right. And then instead of, 
you know, turning and looking and seeing where the river is and all the beauty that's all that. So many of us focus on why couldn't I hold on longer? What What is it about me that, you know, oh man, was it, it's the branch I totally could have held on, but the all, all of these things, mm-hmm. how, how, how within the confines of that, how do we, you know, remove that part of it and be able to start looking for other things? So one thing that I hear when you say that kind of stuff, and it's something that I really, really struggle with, is when I hear people putting themselves in in victim mode. Mm-hmm. I struggle because when you put yourself in victim mode, and and this goes for everything, we're all going to be victims of something at sure. multiple times in our life, and some things a lot worse than others. Um, when you put yourself in victim mode, you completely give your power away. You literally just hand it over. And it's like, I can't move. I can't do anything anymore. Well, when you don't have power, when you don't have the ability to move, then nothing's going to get better. And you are going to continue to be miserable for, you know, as long as you continue to stay there. When you actually sit and think, okay, that didn't happen. That wasn't fair. That didn't feel good. What am I going to do about it now? What would I have done differently? That's one thing that I ask people. Okay, now that you're looking back, if you were doing this all again, would you have done it again? Would you have held on to the branch for as long as you did? You know, did you, you know, and depending on how far removed they are from the situation, that sure. that answer is probably going to change. Um, when they're right after it, no, no. You know, I, I there's someone that I'm working, that I've worked with that, um, you know, going through a divorce and it's been super hard, really, really hard, really painful, really just not good. And, you know, for a long time, she would have gone back. Sure. She would have, she would have gone back, you know, um, even though it wasn't good, even though it wasn't healthy, um, just for the safety and just for the, the comfort zone, even though it wasn't comfortable, mm-hmm. it was what she knew. Yeah. The fear of the unknown is a lot of, um, people's problems. Yeah. It's the a devil, natural you know, one. the devil, you know, not the yes. devil you don't know. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I just think whenever someone puts themselves in victim mode, the, um, I, I let people have their woe is me time. And if that's what you're going to do in, and not enjoy it, but do it, feel it, have the pity party. I'll join you if you'd like, but let me know when you're ready to move forward because you can't stay here. So, so you phrase it as the victim mode. So we, we clear the table of that. We brush off all the paperwork. It's not victim mode. What do you call it? What is, <laughs> what is that, uh, that accountability, that power filled I, I call it because there's a lot of times people call things mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I call everything a learning experience. Okay. We're here to learn. We're okay. here to learn. And sometimes we're going to learn by other people's actions towards us. And that hurts really bad. Yeah. Um, and that's people not horrible. People are, it is incredible how horrible people can be. Actually, I've, I've come to learn there's a, a level of evil walking among us that, yeah. that I see, you know, that I know, and it's unreal. Um, but you know, you, you, you just kind of, I don't know, you get to a place where you just realize, I don't know, I, I have to, I don't know, things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you can say things like, well, it's not as bad as what happened to them. And if anyone does do that, you know, not for me personally, but in their own situation, well, they say, well, I shouldn't feel this, that bad. Cause it's not this bad. And I said, no, no, bring it back. We're talking about you. We're not talking about anybody else, right, right. you know, um, how did this feel for you? How how are we going to move forward from this? But I call everything a learning experience. What did you learn from this? There are no mistakes. I've made some mistakes. I've made some dumb decisions, really, really dumb, where I cringy. If I could go back and change them, <laughs> I would. Um, but again, that was something my mom taught me. There, there are no mistakes. There are learning experiences. Replace the word mistake. Take it out. Mm. Put learning experience in that spot. Because did you learn something? Then it wasn't a mistake. It was something you needed to learn. And a lot of us learn things the hard way. Some of us have to learn things the hard way or we don't learn it. Sure. <laughs> um, and so I, I, that's how I do it. I try to say, what did you learn from this? Everything is an experience. To learn I have to know because I'm this guy that asks these things. And you listen to the Cultural Hall, so you know. I got to know about a cringy thing that... Oh, gosh. That you feel comfortable sharing, obviously. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable if you if you overshare and then I have to go, uh, I don't know where we're going with this. But if there's something that that learning experience that you had, that maybe you could walk out some of the things that we've been talking about so far that you're like, yeah, okay, a learning experience. <laughs> um, okay, I, I would, oh, this is going to take some courage. So anyways, uh, after I graduated, 
um, I had, I had dated the same guy mostly through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. And, but when I left high, high school, I moved up to St. George and went to Dixie um, and began dating someone there. And the guy from high school was going on his mission. And so I came back to Flagstaff to go to his farewell and didn't end up going because I didn't feel comfortable bringing new boyfriend to this farewell. I also didn't feel comfortable leaving him at home by himself and going. And so I ended up not going. And it is still one of the things that I do regret. But instead of focusing on regret, I see it as a learning experience. And so when I move forward, I think we're not going to do anything like that again. We're going to do what needs to happen, um, even if it doesn't feel as comfortable. And a lot of that goes back to me. And um, I should have been able to say, you know, this is something I need to go do. You're welcome to come. However it looks, it looks. Um, or if you don't want to come, don't come. You know, however, I I should have handled that better. I feel like I was very immature at that point mm-hmm. and just handled it poorly. So, 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 so I hear you. So, so let me, let me ask you around this. So this is an experience that you had and you're like, listen, if there's ever a situation where there's something that I should do that, uh, you know, maybe I need to set the boundary or have a clearer communication is that it or or is there a part of you know we talk within the church about like repentance or reparations like is part of it too that you reach out to farewell guy and say <laughs> you know i i really sh- should have been that. is that part of the acceptance or the accountability part of it or or how do you determine some of those things well i actually saw him later that day he actually okay. came over um to to you know say hi or goodbye, either one, you know? Um, so I actually did get to talk to him and I did get to say, you know, I, sorry, I wasn't there. I should have been there. So yeah. it, it actually was cleared up in the same day. Yeah. Still, still with me though, was just, if I could go back in time and change it, I would. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Let's, uh, let's take another break. And when we come back in the third block of the cultural hall, we're going to pick up that other part, the changing the things I can. And I think that's going to just be the killer part of this conversation. Not that any of this hasn't been so far. I love it. I love every bit of what we've been talking about, but I think changing the things we can as we get into the third block will be amazing. Let's do it. We'll take a break and come right back. Hey, you guys wanted to talk to you about a new voice app on the Amazon Alexa. It's made by the church. That is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's geared for kids and grandkids aged four to 11. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill, and it allows your kids to play the Friend Magazine from an Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Now, here's what's cool about it. Each month, it's going to include new stories and new music from the Friend Magazine. It's, uh, you know, a thing that your kids, they know what it is. In fact, if you said, hey, kids, enable the Friend Magazine Skill, they've already done it before you even ask them. And the best part is it's free. It's built by the church, so there is no advertisements or any content that you need to worry about. And it's a fun, great way to help your kids learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill. Be sure to enable it on your Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of that their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the cultural hall, if you happen to be a spouse of a former elder that I served with, you can send an email, contact at theculturalhall.com and say that you would be a great episode. This is tremendous. I love this. This is where my heart and my mind is right now. This conversation that we're having today is so much of what impacts my life here in 2023. It's a a gift to me and a gift that you have to be able to share. And I I really appreciate that, not only uh, for everyone who's listening, but for me, specifically. So thank you for doing that, Bethany. Uh, when we took a quick break and, and pressed pause, Bethany said, oh, oh, no, no, no. You kept talking and then we stopped. Can we go back a little bit? Uh, go ahead. You know, one of one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit more when about accepting what we can't change, uh-huh. um, which really is so incredibly hard, is if we're going to have um, faith in God that he's actually helping us out, his timing is not our timing. 
that's one of the most frustrating things that yes. I've had to realize is that, you know, when I think I have perfect timing, I think this would be the perfect time for this to happen. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't. And I think, how could you let that time just go by, you know, and when it actually does happen, you look and you go, oh, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. So mm-hmm. when we, you know, going through the infertility journey, um, we tried for four years and then we were able to get pregnant with our first daughter, um, had her and then thought we're good. We're because we, we didn't use any fertility treatments to actually conceive her. So we thought, oh, we're good. Everything's fixed. No problem. We went through another two years of um, what they call secondary infertility, trying to have another daughter or another child. And, you know, kind of got to the place where I guess it's just not going to happen. I was frustrated. We were still doing this. I thought we've learned our lessons. What, you know, let's move forward. And um, it was frustrating, but finally we did get pregnant with her and they are about almost four years apart. Mm-hmm. Our younger daughter um, was diagnosed, not honestly, just recently, the past couple of years, she's 11 uh, with autism and she has a lot of neurological, ne- neurological delays. So she's 11, but if you talk to her, she's, you would think she's about six. Mm-hmm. Um, she, and so Having that gap between our daughters, we were able to explain to our older daughter a lot about, you know, she, mm-hmm. her brain works different. She does things different because there are a lot of, how come she gets to do that? And I didn't, and you know, not understanding or just not, just not understanding her behaviors. And we were actually able to explain because she was old enough to understand on her level why things were different. Whereas if they were two years apart, it would have been chaos. It would have been so hard and so chaotic. Again, his timing, not mine. Sure. So I want to push on this a little bit because, yes, in this case, you're able to go, man, what a blessing of four years, right? Yeah. And I don't dispute that. And I, and I, you know, I don't even have any hesitation to be like, yeah, that's God's timing 100%. Okay, I'm on board. There are times, though, in my life specifically where I'm like, I don't know where you're at with that, God. I don't know the timing. I don't know why we did this. I don't know why we thought this was the thing that I needed, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm all for your timing, but like an explanation, can I get one? Are we going to oh. do this? Is this coming? Yes. Am I sometime going to do this? And there are things that I think that I put place the expectation where it's like, I don't know, maybe they're not necessarily that there's not God's timing, but it's just like, how did I gave up? I, I don't know. I don't know what timing is going to be. Well, and I think so much of releasing control, releasing the control and letting him actually do things mm-hmm. um, because he won't work against us. You know, he, he, he wants us to use our agency and he will not force us to do anything. And so I think another part of this that, that I also wanted to talk about is another word that I replace is coincidences. Mm -hmm. I replace that with tender mercies. I choose to see those things as tender mercies. When people say, wow, that's such a coincidence that happened. I think, no, no, it was not. If you want to include him, he wants you to see, he wants you to see when he jumps in and helps, Mm. he wants you to to trust him. So he wants you to pay attention and notice those. So when I, anytime I hear anyone say, you know, that was such a weird, isn't that weird that happened? And I, and I hashtag tender mercy. I always (laughs) do it because I want them to make the connection. I want them to, you can either believe everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. I choose to believe everything is. Yeah. It makes it feel better that, again, there's a higher power that actually knows what's going on when I don't. And so I don't have to know everything. But how many times have I said, if I could just see in the future, right. I would be so happy, a billion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I like the idea of you aggressively telling people that there's no coincidences <laughs> to like, oh, it's such a coincidence. You're like, stop. It is a tender mercy. There's a God or there is not a God. It is a tender mercy or it's not. And you're just, uh, uh, okay. I'm not that powerful. I'm not that. It's more of a, or, or it's a tender mercy. No, I like the aggression. It's more passive aggressive. No, no, no. I like, I like the aggressive aggressive. That (laughs) that to me in my mind is pretty. Okay. So is there anything else that I've, uh, you know, inadvertently sort of skipped over as we get to this final thing? So changing the things I can, man, Mm -hmm. like we talked about with your husband, I, you know, Uh I thought that was just sort of a trip down memory lane, but it has really been such a great foundation for our conversation to walk out that like that is literally changing the things I can, but lots of people can't change or let me rephrase that. Don't change the things they can. Right. Let's get into it. It changes hard changes. It changes incredibly hard. And like I said before, even if our comfort zone isn't that comfortable, we'll stay in it because it's familiar. We know how to operate here, even though it's so not good for us. And, and I've seen it in um, relationships. I've seen it in, you know, marriages. I've seen it just with people with themselves. They continually, I mean, 
months later, still not happy with themselves for the same reason. And yet nothing's been done. Nothing's, you know, and it's like, well, don't know what to tell you. You know, things aren't going to change if you don't do something. Um, But I also, I talk to people about the difference between faith versus fear. Which one's going to win? You know, are you going to have faith that, that something can change and that you have the ability to change it? Um, or are you going to have the fear of the unknown, the fear of how hard it is going to be to change? Um, you know, there's, I, I remember talking to someone who knew she was in a, in a bad relationship, a bad marriage for mm-hmm. a long time. And, and she knew her answer was to, to leave. It was time. It, it needed to happen. Um, and that did not happen for years yeah. before she left because there was a major fear of life as single, a single mom. And how am I going to make that work? And there's lots of reasons that fear wins sometimes. And it's it's not that they're wrong. It's it's valid. It's just, okay, well, you can either choose. I remember telling her, if you leave, you don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You you don't. Um, if you stay, you do. If you stay, you know that you've been doing this for years. Nothing's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what your future looks like here. If you leave, you don't. There's some fear there, but there's hope. There's hope of something different. Um, and that was kind of a, a light bulb moment of, oh, you know, I guess that's true. And um, <clears throat> I think we get confused about the definition of faith. I think I know I did when mm-hmm. when we were struggling with infertility and I and I thought faith to me was hard to have because in my mind, mind thought faith was I'm going to I'm going to have a baby by next year or whatever it is. Or, you know, and I thought, well, I don't want to have faith in that because what if it doesn't work? Right, and then it, I come crashing down even harder. So I'd rather just not believe that. I'd rather not get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. That's not faith. Faith is however things work out is what's best for me. Mm. It might not be what I'm planning, but faith is I know that whatever happens is what's supposed to happen, and it's actually going to be best for me. Wow, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard to learn, but that's faith. Faith isn't that it's going to work out the way we want it necessarily. Maybe it will, but that's not what faith is. Faith is whatever happens, it's supposed to be that way. And it's what's best for me. So hard. <laughs> it is. And like I said, you do, it's not something that you just, okay, that's how I'm going to think now. It's For me, it was looking back at all these experiences where I thought, no, it should have happened that way. But then I look back and think, oh, it's so much better. He made it so much better. I always said I want, I was that cliche. I want to marry my best friend. And I really thought that I wanted to marry someone who I was best friends with. I didn't see myself. This is so funny because it's opposite in my brain. Um, I didn't see myself just going on a date with someone and then we date and then we get married or being set up with someone and then we date and get married. Mm -hmm. I always kind of wanted to be friends with someone and then marry them. Mm-hmm. That was just how I wanted it, how I, not even how I saw it going, but how I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I would get so frustrated that I'm not dating people or, you know, and it's like, yeah. well, think about it. And Heavenly Father cares about the tiniest details to you. Whatever you care about, he really does care. And he will, the tiniest details, you know, and that was what ended up happening in our situation. It was, I, you know, I knew him. I, I didn't think I was going to marry him. I was friends with him, mm-hmm. dating someone else, you know, and so, it, you know, it was just kind of funny how that evolved. And again, it was like, oh, he paid attention. He did pay attention to that, that that was what I wanted, even when I couldn't put it together, you know. A, a massive component of this to me is the fear uh, component. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think in, a, in an anxious boy, anxious world, uh, how, how can we lessen that fear? You know, using the example of like... Um, the the person that you've been working with or like your infertility issues walk out how we can because i contend there's a way that there will always be fear but mm-hmm. i think that we can l- lessen the fear in some ways so that yeah we still don't know but there are some things that we can know within what we don't know that makes it less scary well and that's why i usually phrase it faith versus fear mm-hmm. you have a choice which one do you want to lean on? Mm. Um, are you it's, it's are you going to let the fear win or are you going to let the faith win? When you have faith in your higher power, whatever that is, for me, it was Heavenly Father. When you have faith in him that he's watching over and he actually does care and he actually does know what's going on. 
you're able to, even in the face of the fear, think he has me. It's okay. He He's not, he's not going to let, you know, and if the worst thing does happen to me, if what I'm afraid of does happen, it, I have faith that's supposed to happen because mm -hmm. that means there's something I'm supposed to learn. A lot of people go through a lot of horrible, horrible things in this life that I will never hopefully ever deal with. Um, they come out of that amazing, not all of them, but the ones who come out of it and think, what can I gain from that horrible experience? What can I do with that horrible experience? And a lot of people actually, that becomes their identity in a good way. It becomes their purpose in a good way. They take that really scary thing that they had to go through and they turn it around and help other people. That's the one thing I talk about is turn around and help people through what you just went through. Because, wow. you know, when you go through a trial, you're going through a trial, you want to talk to someone who's been there. You don't want to talk to someone who's just like, well, I think it'll be okay. You should be good. You want to talk to someone who says, oh, I remember every feeling. I remember all of that. And so we go through experiences and trials here um, because we're supposed to learn and grow. And then it connects us to other people. And I think I've always said one of my, I think the best feeling in the world is when you can identify that Heavenly Father is using you mm -hmm. to help someone else. For me, that's the best feeling in the world. When when I I know that I'm the person that needs to talk to someone because I understand where they're at, not because I'm a, a life coach, but because I've been there. I, there's no greater feeling. Do you find, you know, the the uh, the the statement that like uh, the best way to learn material is to teach it, and so you have this experience, like you had your experience with infertility, and mm -hmm. and. You know, we're we're talking about it a lot. I know that it's a very sensitive thing, but I appreciate your openness about it. But you know, dealing with that—that's hard on the woman. That's hard on the man. That's hard on the couple. That's hard on the family. That's hard on you know all that kind of stuff. And so, you, you if I'm understanding correctly, like you, then having been through that, are, are able to say, "Hey, these are some experiences," and you have empathy, and you're able to kind of walk through that. But then, is there part of that process that, as you are helping that individual who? for the sake of a visual of this is behind the path. Is there part of an enlightenment for you in that moment where you're learning things that you couldn't have learned when you were in that part of the path, but because where you are helping that person out that it becomes more learning, right? Like, are you also able to be taught better said, have you learned things about your experience with infertility in the teaching or helping of other people who are dealing with infertility? And if so, what? Yeah. So one of the things that I've learned is that people handle it differently. I thought it felt the same to everybody. Mm. I thought everyone acted the same going through it. Um, I talk about it very openly in my book, actually, because especially in our culture, I want it out there that I struggled so bad with, <clears throat> you know, coming to church on Fast Sunday. A lot of times we would just come late. Um, Mother's Day, we started planning to be out of town. We would mm -hmm. always go out of town on Mother's Day um, and things like that. But I struggled probably the worst with guilt. So it is, I still say it is one of the worst trials because all the reasons you listed, it's hard for the woman, it's hard for the spouse, it's hard, you know, for people around them. Um, one thing that that I wasn't expecting was the guilt that I struggle with. So not only can I not get pregnant, um, now I'm mad and and angry at other people who can't. Yeah. Now I have crazy jealousy of other people. And it's just, it brought out such an ugly side of me. And so when I do talk to people about it, I say, I want your feeling, I want you to know that you're not a bad person. Mm -hmm. you're, you're having real feelings and those aren't, you're, that doesn't make you a bad person. Now, what do you do with those feelings? What, what are you going to do about that? Because the feelings are never the problem. It's what you do with them. So for me, it kept me away from people. I would stay away from people because I couldn't, I couldn't trust myself to be around them because I was afraid I would fall apart. Sure. I would never say anything rude or mean. I was just afraid that I wouldn't be able to control my emotions. So I thought I'll just stay away. And, you know, there are people who can go through it. And this is actually one, a huge credit to my um, in-laws because during, you know, the time we were trying my sister-in-law, um, Cameron's sister actually ended up getting pregnant with her first. And that was probably the hardest, um, oh. you know, because being around the family and and she was having the first grandchild and, you know, there was a lot of, but it should have been us first, yeah. you know, there was yeah. a lot of that. 
Um, and so there were family things that I would stay away from. And I remember um, his mom telling me, we want you to be there. And I thought I was doing them a favor by not being there because I wouldn't make it awkward. Sure. Um, and they said, we don't care if you fall apart and cry. We'll cry with you. Mm. Like we understand this situation. We can be happy for her and sad for you at the same time. And I didn't think that was possible. Mm. And so I learned during that lesson that people are going to handle it differently. Um, and however they handle it is what's going to help them get through it the easiest. But also to know that, you know, for me, I was one, I don't cry in public. I don't want to cry in front of other people. And so I was like, I'll just stay out of, I'll stay away. And instead that was creating this rift, you know, and doing probably more harm than good. <laughs> yeah. And, and even to continue, you know, once we, we have our kids and then we have our younger daughter with all her issues, you know, she's in the type of situation she'll probably live with us forever. And so mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this is a whole different ball game from going from just wanting kids. And now it's like, we have a forever child, you mm -hmm. know, with us, that's a different road. And that's another thing that, that people, I want to talk to people who can relate. I want to talk to people who understand what that feels like and the daily struggles with that. One of the things that you said, and, and we may go a little bit longer. Uh, is that all right with you? Oh, of course. Um, I know I, I, for people that are listening, if this is your first episode, I usually try and keep them at about an hour long. Cause I think that's a respect to people's time, but there is a part of this that I, in the email that you sent me, uh, prior to this, um, you state God will not make us move. And I thought that was interesting because we a hundred percent uh, have the agency for these things. And, you know, as we kind of, you know, look at the things we can control and the things we can't control, it seems like, and, and tell me if you're this person or not, where you sort of are like, yeah, you know what though, but I'll, I'm going to go ahead and, and be comfortable here, mm -hmm. but either other people's agency or because there isn't altogether that comfortable change is going to an, occur. How do you not, how, like, how do you, if that's not God changing those sort of circumstances, like, how do you attribute that to, oh, I, I didn't choose this. This is not the thing I wanted, right? That victim thing that you're talking about. Uh -huh. Like, how in that particular thing, this the consequences, we'll take, for example, right? Your married camera comes home and says, listen, I slept with somebody else. I'm out, mm -hmm. right? You didn't mm -hmm. choose that. You didn't want right. him to do that. The relationship, right. as far as you were concerned, was that you, you know, that you love him and you were nurturing that and all those things, right? And he would mm -hmm. never do that. And sorry, Cameron, that I use that as an example. But he did that. That impacts your life a lot. Totally. hundred percent. So, so if it's not, it, I mean, is that just Cameron's choice? And you're like, great, thanks for your agency or, or what, <laughs> you know, how, how does the God play into something like that where we really don't feel like, Hey, what I did in the, yeah. Walk me through that. I didn't do this wrong. I yeah, didn't, I didn't do this wrong. wrong. I did the thing. I, did I followed the, thing. the prompting. I did the thing. I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm this person. I, yeah, exactly. Um, that's, that's the hardest. Those are the hardest ones to deal with. Um, when you realize you actually don't have the control, yeah. you really don't have the control. This is someone else's control. Nothing's a surprise to God. That's the thing. This is not a surprise to heavenly father. And I promise you that if this is happening, there is something ahead for you. And then, so it's your choice. You can stay here. And and I would absolutely wallow for a long time. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if that were the case, if that were me, I'm not going to say I'm going to just buck up and okay, let's move forward because no, I would be an absolute train wreck. Um, but there would still be in my mind, the thought of there's something ahead for me, mm. but I'm not going to get there. If I don't start moving, if I don't start, one of the reasons I, I use that analogy, I had to, um, I went to speak to the youth. I did like a stake youth fireside type thing mm -hmm. um, up in Utah. And it was right after COVID. It was coming out of quarantine, coming out of all that. And they said, the problem we're having is our youth, like our kids don't want to make plans because everything, get, you know, everything has been canceled, proms, you know, mm -hmm. everything like that. So they're, they're real hesitant to make plans to get going. Um, this has really messed them up. And it really did. It really messed yeah. up the, the youth. Um, well, to be fair, everyone, but everyone. maybe especially the Everyone. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, adults are a lot better equipped or, or, you know, they've been through some stuff so they can kind of deal with that better. Kids are like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And is this going to be how it is forever? You know, they just didn't know. And, and I have this kind of visual in my mind of 
you know, no, Heavenly Father is not going to shove us. He is not going to shove us and make us do anything. But if we start moving, he can open doors. He can close doors. He can make move stuff around if we're moving. But if we're not moving and he's moving stuff around, we're not there to see it anyways. We're not getting it. We're not getting there. Um, there's a, I believe it's President Uchtdorf's quote that says, you know, a lot of times the answers come when we're on our feet working. We we pray, but the answers come when we're on our feet moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, that's definitely how my answers come. I don't get answers in the moment when I'm praying. I get answers once I get up and start moving and I see, oh, he, tender mercy, he put some, someone in my path that just happens to know all about this. Um, it's happened, I, I mean, countless billions of times where just these little tender mercies have happened because we, I was moving forward. He was able to move stuff around for me. Yeah. But no, when the, when the bad stuff happens, you just have to hold on to that faith that you know that he, not only he knows what's going on, he's aware of what's happened. Someone else used their agency. And that's a horrible part of living on this earth, but it's <laughs> part of it. And we signed up for it. I think we were probably way more excited than we should have been <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of naive, probably. But it's never the end of the road for us. He doesn't want us to be miserable. He wants us to be happy. And so he's going to plan something ahead. Um, and in the case, I can say for the for the person that I was working with who knew she should leave the relationship and put it off for so long, finally did. And it literally was maybe months. And she has met the person she's supposed to be with that she now is like telling me, oh, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what marriage is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he always has some something ahead for us. It's hard though, in that so faith hard. moment, if she didn't have that guy and was just in the space of, I am not with this person anymore and I don't have anyone else. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that is most hard for me. Sure, I believe. Yep, you bet. Yeah. I'm on board. All right, are we going to start demonstrating what's what the good thing is yet? Are we here? Can we start... Can we see some of these tender mercies? And to your credit mm-hmm. and to your point, yeah, you just have to look for them. You have to recognize them and be able to speak to them because they are all around us. Maybe not what we think, um, but they are all around us. And uh, then I, one last thing, sorry. Yeah, of course. Um, along with that was, yeah, there is the thought if she didn't, I thought I've asked her that, you know, what if you didn't have this person? How would you yeah. feel? The peace is still worth it. Sure. The peace that she has is still worth it. That's enough. She still would want, someone of course you know it's not everything sure. but it's better than what it was yeah well i love this conversation uh end it as we started uh okay. the serenity prayer god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference uh you can find a link to bethany's book in the show notes so that people can be able to purchase that and be able to check it out uh, you have a website people can uh, visit if they want to be coached in their life by you. Yeah, I do. It's positiveconnectionscoaching.com. Um, I'm more on Instagram okay. um, as Bethany, the life coach at Bethany, the life coach. Um, so, yeah. And so are... people can find that inspiration and reach out to you that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, from your listening that there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I will ask those questions of you right now. The first question is, is do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? I do. And I believe it's the best. I teach the 16 and 17 year old Sunday school class. Okay. And I have the best kids, so it makes it easy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Others would argue that that would be the time. But how (laughs) how old are your kids? I have a 15 year old and an 11 year old. Oh, geez. So you know, now, all right. All right. You're just crazy. Got it. If you could pick a calling (laughs) for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? I have definitely thought about this. Um, It would be teaching a newlywed class. Mm. Anyone who's been married, getting married up to two years, teaching them, because I believe there's a lot of stuff that people just are not taught before they get married, that they just don't, resources, tools, things to look out for, red flags, you know, that they just don't have any awareness of. Um, And then life smacks them in the face and they think, but I thought this was supposed to be it. I thought, you know, whatever, just extra tools that I think would be helpful. And I think so much within our culture that our minds quickly go to like sex or sexual things as far Mm -hmm. as marriage goes, but like financial, children, household, all all the things that when I got married the first time and I went, you know, if I, if I had thought about this for 30 (laughs) seconds, 
I, I mean, I don't know that it would have changed the outcome necessarily because, you know, the compatibility of two people and our choices, et cetera. But we might have had the opportunity to go, yeah, I don't feel at all the way that you feel about that. And that either has to be resolved or, you know, dealt yep. with. So I love exactly. that. Maybe we'll have you on again in the future, get a, a round table of a few folks to talk about what we need to talk about before we get married in the first bit. Would you be willing to do that? Uh, I've actually started kind of working on a book about that. I would actually love to. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. Uh, and then the last question, you know, we ask and ask you to interpret it however you may, but what is your favorite part of your faith? My favorite part is, and it's it sounds kind of weird, but for me, there's always an answer for something. There's always a reason for something. Mm-hmm. Um, with whether it's me or someone else, I can have that faith that, whatever happened, happened for a reason. Um, and it's never because you're a bad person, (laughs) you know, it's Mm -hmm. because it's life. Um, and just understanding that there really is a heavenly father up there that really cares about the tiniest details in each of our lives. And all we have to do is include him, let him be a part of it. And he can make it so much better, so much better than we can. Well, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.